0: So in my preparation this week, I kept coming back to the refrain from Nobel Prize winning singer-songwriter Bob Dylan's 1979 song, Serve Somebody. And it goes, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, this was during Dylan's brief stint as a born-again Christian and is regarded in the general opus of Bob Dylan's work as one of his lesser songs, unable to compete with his greater works like Knocking on Heaven's Door or Blowing in the Wind. Now, I realize at this point you're either humming in your head these tunes or wondering who the heck I am talking about with this (laughs) Dylan guy. So you see, in my teens, I was a big Dylan fan. His language of rebellion spoke to my own urge to break away from my small town to make a difference, any kind of difference, in the world. His angst about the affairs of the status quo spoke to my own teenage anxieties. And I honestly hadn't thought about his music in a long time, until this week, when one of our fellow parishioners asked me if I was happy, if I was doing okay, and my gut response was to say that I'm incredibly happy, because I am, but that idea That idea of happiness seemed somehow to fall short of how I really feel. After a while, I replied that I was happy, but even more, I felt useful. I felt of service. And it's a surprising feeling, one they don't teach you about in seminary feeling of service to this congregation, to this community, to, as Dylan says, the Lord is possibly the most fulfilling thing I've ever experienced. That after many years of searching for something that resembles peace, I started to find it here in these love-filled rooms of St. Peter's. Now, today marks a little over three months since we joined you. And in many ways, it feels like three years, so packed with experiences that it has been. And in many ways, it feels like three days. But I stand up here and joyfully confess that I am happy and what's more, I'm thrilled to be of service. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. So while I might not subscribe to Dylan's simplistic binary of serve God or serve the devil, mine's a little more nuanced than that, I find that for me, serving the community of St. Peter's is a surprisingly fulfilling way of reminding me that I'm trying to serve the Lord. Today's scripture readings are filled with references to good and evil, to who's serving whom. First, in the wisdom of Solomon, we hear how the ungodly made a covenant with death and plotted against the righteous man who, as a child of God, see there's more to life than what we can sense or touch. And the psalmist asks God to save him from the insolent who have risen against him. He's in opposition to those who do not put God before their own selves. And this week's challenging reading from James sees the opposition of wisdom, which comes down from above, with the earthly, the unspiritual, the devilish. The devil for him is our own envy and selfish ambition, that gives rise to conflicts between us of all sorts. Now wisdom is, on the other hand, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield to others. This reading from James paints a pretty dark picture of our lives together if left to our own devices. We easily lapse into anger, conflict, and hypocrisy when we put our own selves above God. And I suspect that Dylan had the book of James in mind when he wrote that line Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. James' stark distinction of good and evil and its emphasis on works, on doing something, fits right in with Bob Dylan's emphasis on serving somebody and his own opposition of the Lord and the devil. And finally, in, in Mark's gospel, we have this, what is for me, a really quirky reading that has Jesus putting his disciples in opposition to, of all things, a little child. Now in Mark, Jesus has a couple of interactions with, with children, and they're often interpreted as moments of pastoral care, of, of demonstrations that Jesus loves everyone, even the little children, even especially the little children. And we even have in Bible school a song about it, you know, Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. But I don't think that's Jesus' intent in this passage. You see, in Jesus' time, children were the weakest among us. They were a symbol of the weakest among us. And this was well before the days of helicoptering parenting that we have today. Children were seen as a burden on the household, unable to fend for themselves, and therefore, among the least. So the disciples, now keep in mind, we would consider them children themselves, because all of them were under 20. The disciples are arguing, as young boys do, about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus, taking the little child into his arms, taking this symbol of the weakest among us near him, says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me, the Father. The greatest in the kingdom will be the weakest. Jesus continues turning the disciples and our worldview upside down. First is last. Greatest is weakest. Now fortunately, our views on the value and worth of children have evolved since Jesus' time. We see them for the energizing, changing, sometimes frustrating, but growing persons that they are we still have symbols for the weakest around us. The family sleeping in their car in the Walmart parking lot on Dave Ward Boulevard. The dozens of kids who go home with a backpack full of food every weekend from the nearby junior high so there will be something to eat in the house. The veteran with untreated PTSD on the corner of Oak and Elsington asking for change. The elderly woman left alone, unattended and unseen in the nearby nursery home. They are all symbols of the weakest. Not because of what they did, what the sins they did or didn't commit, but because of the sins visited upon them. The circumstances, self imposed or just plain bad luck, that put them there. What if we see in them what Jesus saw in the little child? That these people and the thousands and millions like them will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and are, in fact, the greatest among us now. What if we take Jesus' upside-down worldview and use it to see our world in a different way? And that in that seeing, we realize that we have a choice of whom to serve. We can serve them. Serve them in seeing them and in welcoming them we welcome not just Jesus, but the One who sent Him. We welcome God, or we can serve ourselves and turn away, avert our eyes, think that someone else will come along to help them. We have a choice, as Mr. Dylan says. We have a choice of whom to serve. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord. It may be the last, or it may be the first. It may be the weakest. Or it may be ourselves. But either way, in finally seeing, we know that we all got to serve somebody. Amen.